Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer featured too much bullying. From now on, gang, we won't let Rudolph join in any reindeer games, right? Social Justice Productions has remade the film without the bullying. And now Rudolph is... Independent. Without those terrible bullies, he's no longer tormented to fight his way to the front of the sleigh. Instead, the self-loving deer will join his polite pals for a walk in the woods. It's a deal. But there's only one problem. (laughs) Turns out that bright and shiny nose is even better at leading hunters than Santa. Rudolph the Red-Nosed Venison, now playing in theaters everywhere and coming soon to a table near you. Eat, eat. I believe that together we can make America great again. Oh, they're killing deer on the show now. We're really taking this creative license too far in entitling our podcast, Everybody Calm Down. People are outraged, Sean Barry. Well, deer, it's a delicious animal. It's a, it's a very tasty animal. <laughs> From what I've been told, it is a very uh, tasty animal. I agree with that. Uh, welcome back. It is a big day. It is a big day. Why, Sean Barry? Because oh. December 11th mm-hmm. happens to be the birthday of the great Jenny Fallon. Oh. Jenny Fallon. Most popular guest in the history of Everybody Calm Down. Mm-hmm. Turns 39 years old today. She weighs, I'm kidding, Uh, great girl, Jenny (laughs) Phaelup. Happy birthday to her. We're uh, heading to White Castle after this because she's a queen. Going to treat her right, right, Sean Barry? Yeah, why wouldn't you? Uh, Jenny and I met on our birthday, on her birthday, 16 years ago today at Hilarity's Comedy Club in Cleveland. And uh, we'll probably get into this when she's on the show at the end of the week, Sean. But, you know, me and you say this all the time. We're very lucky to have great wives. We are lucky to have because we've, I, I know what it looks like on a guy who doesn't have a great wife. Sure. The torment and the, you know, the broken <laughs> spirit of a man. You know, we can still muster a smile from time to time. Yeah. Even without the Mictors. Uh, but, of course, I should mention that this episode of Everybody Calm Down and every episode of Everybody Calm Down sponsored by the fine folks at the Mictors Distillery. We say every day in the show, we don't care if you're a Republican. We don't care if you're a Democrat. Just don't be an asshole. Mm-hmm. That is it. That's all we need. We just need more cool people in society. And this country would have a fighting chance again. Uh, Andrew Heaton, one of the cool people, Sean Barry. He's going to be joining us shortly. He was the head writer for Kennedy before I took over the gig. Okay. He vacated the post because he wanted to go backpack across Europe and do stand-up comedy. Not a boy. Because that's who he is. He's yeah. going to explain this to you later. He's like a, he's he's considered royalty in like a small fictitious country inside of Scotland. Like he's a, <laughs> I'm not kidding. He's like the closest thing to a living Dosakis guy. He is the the most interesting man in the world. He's done everything imaginable. And uh, I was fortunate enough to succeed him uh, at Fox, but we've remained great friends. I love Andrew Heaton. So we'll talk about him in a little while. Uh, And, of course, uh, we'll have some happy birthday hijinks for the birthday girl, Jenny Fela, who's off teaching at school right now. Uh, but but we're excited. Do you guys go big at this at this point, like Sandra's birthday? Do you guys right. blow it out? What do you guys do? Well, uh, the last one we went to the Dominican Republic. Ooh, show because she was turning forty. Yeah, you got to do something like that. Mm-hmm. So you're saying I got to step it up for forty? Well, let's get ready for it. So She's going to be forty. Yeah. We're, go- we're going to Rome. Maybe let her go. Uh, you know, supersize that White Castle next year. No, no, no. We're going to Rome, oh. New York. New York. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> hey, there it is, Jenny. Pack your bags. Yeah. She's like, wow, we got here pretty quick. I didn't. Uh, <laughs> They told me it was a nine-hour yeah. flight. I'm like, put this blindfold on. Uh-huh. Jenny, you're a queen. I'm not going to make you sit nine hours on a flight to get to Rome. 
but get you up there in an hour and a half. So happy birthday, Jenny Fallon. Uh, big news this morning in politics, Sean Barry. I want your expertise on this. Yeah. Because you, like me, I do give you credit for this. We're objective people. The reason we wanted to do this show is we could be tolerant of opposing viewpoints. Mm -hmm. You know, we could just, yeah, it's funny, but like someone said, like, you know, we're known for our sober analysis, which is funny for me because we're the least sober <laughs> podcast maybe ever. We're sponsored by a distillery. Right. Uh, who sh generously, benevolently shipping us like 20 cases a day of whiskey. It's bananas. I think they're I'm like a Civil War general. <laughs> I have like rations. I can trade whiskey for munitions and bandages and stuff. Can you build it, a room out of glass bottles? It's, it's madness. Yeah. It, it's madness. But we, we are known for our sober analysis. And like, I say this all the time. I am not watching politics. I'm watching sports. Mm. Like I consume this like it's sports. I can tell you who I think is winning, who I think is losing, who I, why. But at the end of the day, I don't really care, care, because I have too much shit to work on mm -hmm. that I need to get done. I don't have the luxury of caring, okay? But that being said, I think it makes me an effective political analyst because I'll sit here and talk to you about stuff and give you an unvarnished take. Joe Biden today signaling to his, um, to his staff that he would only be open, uh, that he's possibly only going to like tell the public he's going to run for one term mm -hmm. because he's 78. And he knows there's concern about his age. He would be the oldest president ever at the time he got sworn in. Okay. So imagine him presidenting for eight years after that. Right. Probably impossible, you know. Uh, but do you think this is a good move because it draws attention to his age? Or, do you, yeah, or, or yeah, excuse me, think it's a bad move because it draws attention to his age? Or do you think it's a good move because he's just being upfront about the fact that, hey, everybody knows I have this age possible liability I, I think it's a dumb move because i didn't know how old he was you know, oh you I, didn't no not just now really uh, yeah i don't really have you watched his I, interviews again the whole care care thing i got three cares in there i, I can't really care 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 about this either you know <laughs> so I, I find out a lot of my news on this show but <laughs> no but i think it's a bad move because uh it's he's even saying look you know uh I'm not going to go for two. I'll just go for one. Yeah, one give time. it a one shot. Like, dude, you didn't get that yet. Relax. Yeah, I know. It's like, a little presumptuous. Get in office and then make the call towards the end. You know, <laughs> if things aren't going well. You could just bow out, not, you know, gracefully. You don't have to mention it now. You're not even well, know, president I, yet. I do. I, I think, listen, I think his age is a liability, whether he addressed this or not, because he is he's 78 years old. And uh, I'm not personally ageist. I think old people have accumulated a wisdom that a lot of us don't have. Mm -hmm. But in terms of like the physical aptitude of running a country, unless, you know, guys his age, unless you're snorting Adderall all day like Trump, I don't think guys their age can keep it up, you know. But uh, it's fascinating to me. And I do think, though, it's, it's going to be ultimately a negative for him because it's already like showing that he's adjusting his expectations. Right which I think subconsciously triggers something in voters mm -hmm. to be like, like what you said. Oh, you think you're doing one term. Yeah, <laughs> How exactly. about we adjust it a little more? Right. You do zero terms, you know? But the nice thing is like at his age, uh, he does have a nice plan to get us out of debt. He's going to, uh, give our social security number to a Nigerian prince he met on the oh. internet. He says That's he's going to bring some gold over yeah. from Nigeria and we're going to be out of that $20 trillion debt. I'm still waiting for my package to show yeah, up. It hasn't shown up, no, right? No, oddly enough. A lot of money out of my account, though. How great is it that Biden first, you know when they release the inaugural draft to the public before it's given so we can yeah. follow it along? It's going to be written in the subject line of the email. Joe, <laughs> 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 oh, slow down. We can't scroll our email that fast. I don't know. But uh, Joe Biden says he will do one term. Yeah. Uh, Andrew Heaton, Sean Barry, 
did two terms as Kennedy's head writer. He was oh. the head writer for the show. He left, mm-hmm. took a sabbatical, ran around Europe again. I mean, you, you, you're going to be fascinated when you meet this guy. He's, he's, he's a home run. And he's on Kennedy tonight. He's on the show tonight. Nine o'clock's great. Uh, but he left, came back, and then left again, mm. which is interesting. I don't know if I love him or hate him for this because um, I, we should just tell the story when we come back. But essentially, uh, he's the reason I'm at Fox, which is great. I love that. I'm very grateful for the opportunity. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But I'm looking out the window right now at this snow-covered Long Island and yeah. staring down the reality of an hour on the Long Island Railroad that'll probably become six. <laughs> and with me in a bus, it becomes planes, trains, and automobiles where I'm spooning someone who doesn't speak English. <laughs> Those aren't two pillows. <laughs> but we'll get into it with the heater. Uh, and we'll talk Joe Biden. Uh, I have a couple of theories, too, on on why Heaton, because he moved to Austin, Texas. And he tells me it's because of comedy, but I have some alternative facts that I'm going to share when we come back on Everybody Calm Down. in presidential history. Ask not what your country can do for you. Ask what you can do for your country. Mr. Gorbachev, tear down this wall. The Democrats have to now decide whether they will continue defrauding the public with ridiculous bullshit. Oh, the marching band is back, Sean Barry. That can only mean one thing. Mm-hmm. We've got a real, we've got a real dignitary joining the show now. This man is the closest thing I know to the Dosecki's most interesting man alive. A fantastic stand-up comic, comic, a phenomenal friend, and my predecessor on the Kennedy Show, Andrew Heaton, joins us on Everybody, Calm Down. Hello, Heaton. Hello, Jimmy. This is- oh, Jimmy, it is so good to be on your show and to be with you. How are you? I'm great. And I, and I know most of that enthusiasm is based on the fact that we give every guest a bottle of Michter's whiskey. So oh, let's- I didn't realize that, actually. Then I'll come back tomorrow, and that's great. <laughs> He's coming back tomorrow under an alias. I'm like, wow. I, I, I was, I was going to swing by your house and just, you know, like steal shit from the, the liquor cabinet and, <laughs> and, and some silverware and that kind of thing. But he just give me a bottle right out the gate. Great. Oh, no. He, all that. He, and you're playing with house money. You know that. You, uh, you know, yeah. you're a living legend in the Fela house. So don't feel the need to call me tomorrow as Mike Pence. I would just give you a second okay. bottle of whiskey. You don't have to go through that's, all that that's, trouble. That's good. Yeah, I was, I was going to do, Jimmy, is I, I was I was going to sneak over to your house in a horse costume and uh, just try and come on your podcast as a man in a horse costume. Good to know. Yeah, I Listen, like this. Yeah. Yeah. So far, we're kind of into this, and, and you'd be the you'd be the most normal guest we've had. So uh, it it's, it certainly wouldn't be a disqualifier. How is New York treating you, man? I know you're in town for a week. When we spoke last night, were you out on the prowl? What were you doing? What was I? Do? Uh, I was I was on a, another podcast. Uh, Do you know Brian Sack by chance? Uh, by name, I don't know him personally. Uh, he he's got a podcast. Don't be jealous. Yeah, 
Jimmy, don't be jealous. You knew what this was when you got into this with me. You knew that this was not going to be anything anything exclusive, okay? Uh, I was out doing that. Uh, New York is fantastic. I, I think the way to do New York is, uh, I, I think if you're going to live here, you either need to be really young, really rich, or really hot. And I am very hot. Uh, but, I'm, but I'm in my mid-30s, and I'm only moderately successful. So, yeah, New York's fantastic. I, just, I, I like it in smaller doses now. I, I lived here for about six years, and that was enough. But now I come by, you know, once every six weeks for uh, every every six months for about a week, and it's great. It's a smash and grab, you know? Yeah, exactly. I, I come up, I do a bunch of media hits. Hopefully, I seduce somebody, uh, and, then I, and then I leave and recoup. Hey, hey Heaton, because you do mention seducing women a lot, and I, and I, I, do. I, and I do consider you the Dosaki's man of mystery. Thank um, you. Did you actually flee town because of some type of Me Too hullabaloo? <laughs> Uh, you know, given, given the, given the temperamental similarities between me and Garrison Keillor, it's something I live in front of all the time. The kind of friendly folksy guy with not edgy jokes with a bunch of skeletons in his closet at any moment is this could happen. I don't know. (laughs) It could snap. Well, I got to tell you, the game has changed, man. When you, um, you know, you were obviously a Kennedy, you served two terms. A lot of people don't know that yes. you were, you were the oh, only, yeah. the only president to run, serve a term, not run the next term and then come back four years I, later. I, I am, I am the Grover Cleveland of Kennedy's writer staff. <laughs> I, I, I was there, I was there at the beginning. I left and was gone for a year and then came back triumphantly and served for another year. Grover Heaton. Grover That's Heaton, right. <laughs> and, and you'll be happy to know, I know you're going to see her tonight. You're going to be on the show tonight, obviously, and you know this for yourself, but she holds you in the highest regard. Just the high, I mean, I you know. delights me. Now she's the best on the planet. She really is. Um, I was going to ask you this, though. Um, have you been, because I know you went to The Blaze, you were doing a podcast, have you been to a corporate Christmas party in the last two years? Because the way it works now is, like, we're wearing ankle bracelets, and if we dance too close <laughs> to the opposite sex, they go off. Oh, uh, I have not. I, the last time I went to a a, a corporate, I went to the Fox News um, Christmas party in what would that have been twenty sixteen, I think. Okay, which, which was amazing. This been by the way, this was pre me. I think I, I think the beginning of the time wave had crested. Okay, uh, but not the entirety of it. We 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 weren't we weren't, and it was they they uh, Uncle Rupert. Uh, rented us a barge, like a barge on wow. the Chelsea Pier, and it was a, like a three-story uh, uh, luxury cruise-type ship. There was an amazing banquet, mm-hmm. and they even at one point they had um, where, where normally a band would play. They rented an honest God walk-in snow globe. Oh my god! Like a like a six-foot, probably like a ten-foot diameter snow globe that you could just go inside of. And uh, no, it was a blast. I, I even like. I, I hung out with the HR table, which was terrifying. What uh, at a uh, Christmas party? <laughs> well, okay. See, this is the this is the the, the the snare that I walked into, Jimmy. I'm like, check out that blonde. She's pretty good looking. I wonder oh, what's going to go on. Take a seat, and it's like, hey, we're the HR, and I'm like, oh, it's a trap. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, but that's the last time I did. So the, the parties aren't quite much fun. Well, no, no. Listen to me. They're fantastic fun, and they're really nice. But everybody is playing a lot of defense now. You know, uh, everybody is playing a lot. Any, anywhere you go, comedy club uh, Christmas parties now. And I, I'm against this, Heaton, because I, I understand companies need to cover their ass. Uh, they, don't want, they don't want any trouble. But I always believed the Christmas party was there to give the staff that bonding opportunity where everybody pulled the goalie and got rowdy 
you know, and we all had something to yeah. joke about on Monday, there's, if we could make eye contact. At least element to it. Yeah. You see, you, you do agree with that. Yeah. Okay, good. I, I ran up by Robbie Suave the other day, our mutual friend from Reason Magazine. And, you yeah. know, the libertarian, they don't, you know, they, they want people having sex with the ice sculpture. Like, they're depraved people. Yes, exactly. And, and yeah, yeah, yeah. Reason parties are a lot of fun. Yeah, if, 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 if Reason, if libertarians were a Broadway play, it would be anything goes. You know, they're, they're going yeah, for it out there. So, so, so libertarians deep down want all parties to eventually coalesce into Burning Man. <laughs> that's, that's the goal is for them to eventually turn into some kind of orgy. The only problem is that the, the male to female ratio is about eight to two. And so it just doesn't work out super well. That's the only, the only thing keeping libertarians from forming a big Bacchanalian orgy is that. <laughs> well, I don't believe that it is that Heaton because I've seen these oh, guys no. when they're drunk. I don't think the lack of females is an issue. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. That's a good point. That is a good point. Uh, but it, it also does speak to the fact that a lot a lot of straight libertarians who meet Kennedy want to make a jacket out of her skin like they are. <laughs> they have an unhealthy love for her. And it's really funny for me to be around. They don't even know who I am, you know, and uh, it is fascinating to see people approach her on the street. And uh, she does a pretty good impersonation of them uh, and from an endearing place, of course, because she loves them right. because they see things her way. Uh, but let me ask you this, Heaton. You went from Fox um, which was such a funny transgression in our in our uh, relationship, our friendship, because uh -huh. you were you were writing Kennedy's show, and then one day you left for one of your backpacking tours across Europe. Yeah. And, and when you came back a month later, I was doing your job, which is you know, it's like yeah. I basically Hunter Biden your Bo Biden, you know, <laughs> <laughs> like you died and I started dating your wife, <laughs> which which I, I could not have been more uh, more happy about. That was that was the, the you were the best. Uh, Best success possible as a writer on Kennedy's show. I was delighted by that. Oh, oh, Keaton, listen, seriously. That's why if I ever had to leave that show, which we all know could never happen, but if I ever had to leave that show, I, I would fight uh, like the Dickens to get you to replace me. Uh, the only problem is I would be tied up in the back of the trunk of her car. So I don't know how aggressive my lobbying efforts would be. Did you, did you ever see that vampire movie Underworld? No. Is it any good? Uh, yeah, it's pretty good. And uh, one of the premises in it is that there's these like four vampire kings, and they go dormant for centuries. One of them always is awake, and the other the other four are are like living in a coffin, right? Maybe that's the relationship you and I have: is that <laughs> one of us will tap out, and and then like, all right, you're up, buddy. And you do it for two or three years, and then, and then that person will do it two or three years, and the other, and it's like, hey, man, I got, I don't know, I'm I'm, I'm hosting a cartoon show now, and uh, then the other guy will come back in retirement. That's funny. Get into our dome heat and you got some scripts to write. Um, <laughs> you are, are you living in Austin now? Is that what you're doing? I, okay. I, I'll take your input on this. I've been in a holding pattern in Austin. So basically what happened was, uh, I, I, uh, I, I had a show at the blaze, uh, mm -hmm. ran for about eight months at the blaze, in, at the blaze, at the blaze. Yeah. Yeah, uh, it stopped in June. Uh -huh. And then, uh, and then I just kind of traveled all over this summer. I was in Edinburgh as I usually do. Uh, I was at Burning Man to try and get that orgy started. Uh, I was I did some, some stand up in Iceland, Ooh. Uh, and, uh, and and then and then I was kind of bumping around L.A. and that kind of thing. So I've been in a holding pattern in Austin. I love Austin; it is a wonderful city, but it's so hot and I hate sweating. Mm. So I'm debating come the new year. I'm debating whether or not uh, to move out to Los Angeles or to Portland, which I think might just be a colder version of Austin, oh. uh, or or to stay in in, in Austin, but but unequivocally leave for three to four months a year and go to Scotland. Oh, 
That is sexy. All right, now, let me ask you this before I weigh in with my official verdict, and our producer, Sean Barry, will have a lot to say as well. Mm-hmm. Okay. Are you, aren't you like a duke or something in some fake country, or <laughs> how does that, for real? That's a terrible thing to call Denmark. Denmark's <laughs> a wonderful country. Uh, no, I, okay, I'm not a duke. I, I am a former diplomat uh-huh. uh, for the Principality of Hutt River. And, and to, to do this as quickly as possible, Hutt River is a small country. It's about 70 kilometers, uh-huh. uh, and it's Western Australia. Uh, and it, I, basically, for your listeners, imagine that the state of Kansas uh, tried to put in a wheat quota that was going to bankrupt a bunch of farmers, uh-huh. and the farmers went, fuck it, we'll form our own country, and basically seceded a county. And the guy running the county was so good that by the time all was said and done, the state of Kansas and eventually the country went, you know what, you're not your own country, you know you're not your own country, but if you just shut up and keep your head down, we're going to leave you alone. And that's basically what happened with, with Hutt River. So Hutt River's been going strong since about uh, 1970. I went out there, I was dating a woman from, uh, from Australia, thank you, mm-hmm. and uh, went, went out there and met Prince Leonard, uh, who unfortunately died uh, a year ago, um, but, uh, but his, his son, uh, uh, it, it, Prince Graham, is now running everything. So I was for a while, I was his diplomatic representation in New York. I was effectively a consular equivalent, which <laughs> sounds stupid. However, I want to throw this out here. Um, you and I know who our president is, uh-huh. uh, and, and if he wanted to piss off the Australians, the best way to do it would be for him to recognize the legitimacy of Hot River. I'd like Literally, nothing would piss off the Australian prime minister more. And then that moment, I would become a diplomat and have diplomatic immunity. Whoa, and then you could park anywhere. We could really I hang could out this weekend. I, I could park I could throw water balloons at civil servants. I could. Uh, I, I think I could commit murder. I don't really know the, the full extent of it. We would. We would. It would be a fun weekend, Jimmy. You would just get. A, you would get a text message that said like, uh, "Jimmy, period. I'm a diplomat. Period. Meet me in Las Vegas. Period." And and we would just we would go from there. Oh, we, probably Atlantic City. I feel like Atlantic City is where we really really get seedy. Well, it sounds like. Uh, it sounds like you should move to Australia. I, we should add that to your choices of Portland, Los Angeles, uh, and, maybe, and you know what? Maybe, maybe have you been over there? I have not. Um, but go ahead. their comedians have no idea how good they have it. Like when when I because I was in Western Australia. Western Australia is basically it to, to kind of convert a, a Greg Proops joke. It's basically Oklahoma plus kangaroos. Like it, <laughs> it's it's this. It, it, it feels exactly like Oklahoma to me, except with marsupials and there's a beach. Um, the people are friendly. Everybody's really nice. Uh, the people are gorgeous. Um, and you talk to the comedians and they're like, right, oh, I'm so jealous of you being up in New York. That must be great. Well, I, you know, yeah, I can, I can do comedy full time and see my family whenever I want. And, and all the friends that I grew up with and the cost of living's low. And, I, you know, I work like three nights a week. Uh, and, but, but it's not big. Yeah. And I'm like, what the hell is like so many of the straight you you all of the emotionally crippling aspects of being a comedian are absent for you. You can wow. just live with this and say, yeah, I might well do that. Wow, heater, listen, man, uh, uh, Australia to me is so foreign to everything I know in terms of a, an experience that I fa- I think that's actually the best option, only because it's so stimulating. Like you're a guy who really is. I give you a lot of credit for this. You're writing your own story in life. You know, most people don't really control their lives to the extent that they could. Uh, And your willingness to literally just go anywhere is a superpower. 
because you're not getting hemmed in. It, it's kind of yeah. a weird, odd superpower. Uh, it's yeah. you know probably the reason you'll also die alone in your fifties, uh, pantless yeah. in a La Quinta, uh, <laughs> and and uh, you know that's great. There's nothing wrong with yeah. dying pantless in a La Quinta. I mean, there, but for the grace of God, go I. Uh, we all know about this. Uh, but seriously, if you're going to do the American thing, Kennedy and I were talking about this the other day, and uh, she said you would hate L.A. Uh, and she's right to say this because this is the thing about L.A. Um, you're really not supposed to move there from a showbiz standpoint unless somebody is moving you there because we're so far on the wrong end of supply and demand in L.A. And, oh, even the, okay. and even the people they send a jet for, they can neglect if somebody else gets hotter or something else goes on. And I think, honestly, uh, you're, you're, you know, you're a guy who has a good, pretty good work-life balance. But yeah. everybody is constantly, uh, you know, prioritizing their career over their life. You know, you're supposed to have a life, you know, and a career is supposed to kind of be secondary to that. I think yeah. I think if you went to Portland, you know, once you got over the scurvy and all the poop on the sidewalk, I think you could make a nice <laughs> life for yourself. And there'd still be a comedy scene there that would kind of placate the career thing. So if I was okay. choosing heater, I would send you to Portland. And I like Portland. Really? Okay. Have you ever okay. been to Pig and Pancake, either of you, Sean Barry or Andrew? No. You've never been, Sean. Andrew, have you been I, I to have Pig not and either. Pancake? No. All right, like right outside of Portland, there's like a restaurant called like Pig and Pancake where they just say, serve pancakes and pork chops all day. That's the greatest thing in the world. And this isn't hipster culture. <laughs> this has been around forever. This is for like truckers going up and down. I, whatever the hell it is out there. Mm -hmm. And they're just eating pork chop. It's great stuff. It's great stuff. Heating. And you know, the hipster scene is, uh, you know, it's kind of your thing. You lived in Williamsburg for a while. I got to touch that. I'd, I'd say I'm like a, a quarter hipster. Mm -hmm. Heaton's Heaton's unicycle repairs. Yeah. You yeah, know? yeah. Yeah. I'm like it, of, of all the people, you know, Jimmy, if someone both knew what a penny farthing was and owned one, I would be heat. <laughs> <laughs> so Portland, Portland for the win. I could, I could see happening. Um, let me ask you this question, Heaton, because you were telling me this uh, off the air the other day. You said the further you've gotten from politics, the more you've started oh, God, to yeah. enjoy your life. Yep. Is, is that? Do you think? Uh, um, I don't know. Is it? Is it just because it's so toxic? Like, why do you feel that yeah. way? I, I think it's, it's toxic. So, so when I, I, I got into this, um, I, I started doing political comedy coming up on 10 years ago, probably eight years ago or so. I had, uh, I had, I had worked in, uh, in politics. I, I was working for Congress when I started doing stand-up comedy at night. Mm -hmm. Uh, but in my mind, they were completely separate things. Uh -huh. And then, and then kind of kept up when I was getting a master's degree, came back and did it. I read a book, uh, called Parliament of Whores by PJ O'Rourke <laughs> and went, oh, wait a minute. Like, oh, you can be funny and do this uh -huh. and you don't have to be a progressive. You could like there are other funny people yeah. who aren't necessarily, you know, boilerplate Democrats. And so I got into it. And at the time, I and I think that this was reasonably true at the time. This was you know, maybe mid Obama years. My thought process was I really like Steve Colbert. He seems like a great guy. He's very funny. I really like PJ O'Rourke. He seems like a great guy. He's really—I bet they're friends. I bet they would be friends, and and I think that was true at the time. And mm -hmm. I and I found when I got into it that people, for for the most part, could go well. I disagree with you, but you're pretty funny. Mm -hmm. And uh, the last, basically, since Trump got in, the the whole equation is flipped. Mm -hmm. Where now it's like, what religion are you? Yeah. And I'm like, well, I'm not. I'm not viewing. Po political comedy is, is a religious exegesis. I'm, I'm, I kind I didn't, I'm not, I'm not coming here to participate in a, in a battleground between good and evil. I, I'm kind of here to tell jokes uh 
Uh-huh. And, and like be on a playground and like maybe to a lesser extent to like get people to think about stuff where I'll like, you know, John Oliver will do a funny video on net neutrality and then I'll do like a, the opposing viewpoint on net neutrality. But, mm-hmm. uh, still like the guy and like, it is just, uh, Too toxic. It, it is, it's toxic. And then I, you had a very salient observation a few years ago, Jimmy, where I, you said uh, something to the effect of people, people find political satire funny only insofar as they agree with it. Yeah. Uh, and and I, I think that's pretty well true. So me at, th- at this point, me basically being a moderate who leads libertarian, like I'm like like there, there's there's a battlefield and I'm the guy in the middle uh-huh. going oh shit shit oh shit oh shit I can't I can't lunge into any bunker for safety so everyone's <laughs> just kind of shooting at me from both sides it's, so it's, I'm looking at it and uh, we're, we're actually um, you you love this I, I had lunch with George Will wow. on Friday George uh, Will. in D.C. And, and some of his advice was basically it it pretty much reinforced my own opinion on how to go here where he was like I would uh, I would double down on non political comedy for a while <laughs> and then uh, may, maybe maybe come out of dormancy in five to six years. And then, he, then he gave some erudite uh, uh, analogy about baseball and uh, the, 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 the speech of the queen at Tillsbury, uh, something like that. But, uh, but, but, but it was, but yeah, that's kind of, yeah. I overall though, yeah, it's just really toxic right now. Uh-huh. And I, and I, I, I yeah, I, I, I find it also, it, 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 if, if I'm out at a, if I'm at a bar, I'm at a, a party or something and, and, and politics comes up, um, there, I think most people can, handle like oh okay you have a different viewpoint than me you're wrong but there is a a a fraction of people who are nonetheless so vocal yeah that that now want to fight you and you know hope hope uh, are are actively rooting for me to pantsless at a la quinta uh (laughs) that 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 i'm like i i don't know i i I think it's time for me to to to, um keep doing what i'm doing i i I do host a, a may i plug the show yeah, I mean, hey, you plugged everybody else's podcast. Why stop now? <laughs> I, uh, I, um, I, I do host a funny podcast called The Political Orphanage, and I plan to keep doing that. is is kind of a public service, but but I don't want to keep. I, basically, the the other comedy stuff I do, I'm going to be moving in non political directions. Wow, Bob Dylan is 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 going. He's leaving behind the acoustic guitar. Yep. And you're going to go electric. Dylan is going electric, Andrew Heaton. This is a big mm-hmm. deal. Uh, mm-hmm. I get it. I do get it. It it is no country for rational men. Um, yep. and, uh, Sean Barry and I, don't worry, we're opiating the masses. Plus I get on, on Fox news radio quite a bit and, and kind of push the same message that I really do believe that we're wildly underserving the comedy consumer and the new and the news consumer in that both sides politically uh, on the broadcast side have gone so far in either direction that they've created this middle that's like 70% of the country. Yeah. yeah. I, I mean, 35% of, of Republicans, 35% of Democrats, it's, you know, yeah. are wildly underserved because they really don't want to hate people over their politics because right. they don't care that much. I say this a lot, Heater, and I want your take on this. I think a lot of people, when it became fashionable post 2016, to be like, you know, outrage mafia, somebody who was just a reactionary to everything the president did or everything the Democrats did one way or the other. Yeah. I think the reason a lot of people are mad on both sides of the aisle is they didn't realize that they were committing themselves to a full time job that looked <laughs> that looked like looking back on it. They don't want to be doing it. But now it's like it's too late. You can't just stop being guy who literally reacts to everything the president does. Do you think there's yeah. any do you think there's any value in that, that people are just mad at themselves at this point? 
Uh, I, oh, I, I'm going to give a consenting a consenting opinion. So I agree with you, but for different reasons. Uh-huh. Um, I, I very much agree that the, the public is underserved from a comedy perspective. I think that that's absolutely true. And and the seventy percent of the electorate you mentioned, um, I, I call it the exhausted majority. Uh, like <laughs> there used to be the silent majority, now there's yeah. the exhaust majority, which I, which I think is absolutely true. And I, I find this a lot. Like the the feedback that I mostly get on my show, it, almost all of the feedback begins like this. Uh, I disagreed with you about what you said on Tuesday, but I find you very funny and I like you don't yell at your guests. Uh, and I'm like, I, I'm okay. I can deliver that. I can <laughs> deliver you disagreeing with me and me being funny and nice. Definitely. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and there's a lot of people that I think are, are in that boat. I, I think the anger, I think it's a few things. Uh, I mean, we should know there are legitimate things to be angry about, uh-huh. but I, I think there is a, a psychological profile. There, there's a difference between I'm, I'm, I'm living my day and everything's fine. And I read just a, a heinous miscarriage of justice in the news and that ruins my day. That's one thing. Mm-hmm. The, the other way I think that people are, are getting to uh, this, this outrage status is, and then again, I, whatever, whatever team they're on, less stressful. You get cut off in traffic. Uh-huh. Uh, you know, you, you run out of toilet paper when you're in the bathroom. Uh, you didn't get the promotion at work. And, and people, I, I think, have glommed on to handling this by just their anger and like, well, I'm going to hop on Twitter. And they yeah. hop on Twitter looking for something to get mad about. Yeah. And then just all caps bile and, you know, <laughs> tweeting like I, I, I'm, I'm tweeting and I'm going to block people. And and they're and they've now conditioned themselves to they need that daily catharsis of political hate rage in order to cope with things, which I think is a horrible place to be. I think that's the like and, and it also. For, for, for just for years, I mean, it's not fun for me. I, I don't like, I, I have found in the last couple of years, the people that, that hate me uh, are, are political fundamentalists. Mm-hmm. So basically, if, if you believe whatever you believe 100%, uh, I, I, I don't believe anything. I, I don't believe anything more than about 70%. I'm wrong <laughs> all the time. Yeah. So, but the, the people that believe everything 100% and, are, and want you to believe what they believe 100% and are angry if you don't, they don't like me. Yeah, yeah, and, they're uh, out of their minds. And they tend they tend to be real angry, and uh, it, it, it's not a. Um, I, I I don't think it really helps anything from from an electoral standpoint either. Like, uh, let's take Trump for example. I'm not a Trump guy. I'm mm-hmm. a Trump fan. But if Trump were to go, if he were to tweet, I hate purple t-shirts. Every time I see a uh, see a purple t-shirt, I hate it. We both know that there would be. 20 million people to go buy purple t-shirts tomorrow the trouble. Uh, just and, it, and it's like do you guys not realize the the emotional sovereignty you've conceded to this man yes he yo can, he, he, Keaton. He, 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 he can ruin your day if he wants and you've let him yes. do that Keaton, i say this all the time the only thing that's changed in this country since trump got elected is the power we've all given political discourse over our lives that's the only metric that you could say has changed i mean you could say the economy's a lot better who knows who deserves credit for that the point is it's better but beyond that what has really changed other than the fact that we now devote so much of our time fighting over this and and, and what frustrates me heater is that the running joke was that the, the divide in society was voters and politicians. We all knew deep down that the politicians were full of shit, and that was the running joke, that every late-night host would eventually tell at some point. It'd be like, ah, these guys are screwing us over. But now, knowing that to be the case, we've sequestered off into two camps, and I'm like, screw you. I'm going with these people that are screwing us over. And you're like, no, no, asshole, I'm going with those people that are screwing us over. And that's where we are, Heater. That's why I have you on. That's why we have a diplomat on from a foreign mm-hmm. country who can see right. things from a 20,000-foot view. Um, 
and, and I and I thank you for seeing them because we're up against a hard out heater. But I'm going to see you tonight. I'm going to see you at the Death Star. We're going to be well, hanging you, out. You'll see me tomorrow. Just so you know, scheduling wise, they they've got me coming on Thursday. Oh. Yes, I will see you soon, and I'm delighted to be on your show. Oh, heater! It is it is your show too. I mean, you you will retain a permanent ownership in this thing long after. Oh, perfect. So long I've after got a, I've got a steak. Yeah, long after they throw Kennedy in the nut house, pad that room, and <laughs> slam that door. Um, I will be there tomorrow night, and as you know, uh, Thursday night. I don't know how they did it back in the Heaton administration, but in the Fela administration, there's a big Bose boombox and uh, a pretty a pretty happening cocktail party that Sean Barry has attended, uh, and you will oh, be nice. yeah you will bear witness to that tomorrow night. So I hope you like I hope you like George Michael. <laughs> That's all I can tell you, Heater. <laughs> Have a good one, man. I'll see you tomorrow, buddy. All right, see you later. The best. There Bye. he goes, Andrew Heaton, living legend, one of the best human beings you'll meet anywhere. Uh, my actual predecessor, Sean Barry. How about that? It's like meeting your wife's ex. Hmm. But I knew him beforehand. It's weird. It's and a whole weird. And then you wind up getting along better with him than than your wife. Yeah, it's like a whole to do. <laughs> yeah, you meet buddies. the ex yeah. and you love the guy. Yeah. Like, honey, I love this guy. Yeah, right? This guy should break up with him. This guy's awesome. Uh, we'll do a couple of quick headlines and get out of here when we come back. Sexy groove, Sean Barry. Yeah, man. I like this one. I got to tell you, man, these mics sound better than my radio mics when I'm on the radio. Is that right? Yes, and I don't know why. Let's talk about this. If, if you really want to know, I mean, we're going through something here called uh, it's the Rode, uh, Rodecaster, made uh-huh. by Rode, R-O-D-E. Uh-huh. Um, and what you're hearing back, you're monitoring it with, you know, kind of a built-in EQ and, and uh, compression that you uh-huh. probably wouldn't hear. You're oh. probably just hearing yourself direct through the mic. Because I feel, radio show. I feel sometimes on the radio, I feel shouty because I don't hear myself well enough. Right. Ah, uh, this feels deep, very R and B. I mean, this is dare I say a little over compressed, but I, I for I me, like I, it, I, the aesthetic works. For I kind of like so. it though. It's sexy. Don't know. Have you got any complaints? No, not right. at all. It go. sounds great, Sean Barry. Nice. I'm complimenting you. Huh. Not only did you record this fine, sexy music bed, yeah, but you've Barry whited my voice. Like I have, a, I have a heart on right now. I can't even get through <laughs> this. I can't make eye contact with you. Uh, John Moses is on the Thursday show. He's been on before. He's a Canadian and an asshole. It's a very rare combination, huh. but I love him. Uh, he is the host of the Fight Stories podcast. He was recently on Fox News Radio with me, and I have a little bit of a bone to pick with him, so you should listen to tomorrow's show. Mm-hmm. Uh, because he did a couple of... You know when you say, like, uh, in, in Pulp Fiction, where he's like, say, be cool, bitch. Right. Bitch, be cool. You know, that line or whatever. I say to comics all the time, I'm like, yeah, yeah, you come into Fox and do the radio, but it, it's, it's a fucking corporation. You know what I mean? Right. You got to fucking behave. Right. Like you can't, don't show up with like a six pack. I mean, yeah. he's sober. That's not his issue. Right. But uh, he tossed a few jokes around that I was like, you apt, there's no world where you don't know that you can't say that. Right. Like no world. Like we're on live radio. And I was like, yo, I wouldn't say that to you if we were alone in a car <laughs> in mile 300 of a 400 mile trip. Yeah. And, and there was my man, John Moses, gunslinging. But I guess, you know, so you got to play defense as a host. You just got to stay on top of things. Absolutely. Emily Campagno, we were doing Judge Jimmy last week on the radio. 
she told some story about such and such and such and such, and she's like, and I would slit your throat with a smile and just kept talking. But, like, it was just a throwaway line, and I was like, baby, I got to stop. <laughs> <laughs> You're known as, like, Miss Congeniality, like, the best woman who's ever lived. I'm like, that's, a, that's really not a throwaway line. Like, it has to be acknowledged, but she just talks like a gangster, and I, I love it about her. Uh, a couple of quick headlines, and we'll go. Um, Michelle Obama talking about political divides, defending her friendship with George W. Bush. Mm-hmm. Liberal activists upset uh, because she's been praising our 43rd president. Uh, just shut up, everybody. That's like a shut up. Not even an everybody comment. Just everybody shut up. Yeah. You don't want to live in a world where the one ex-president's wife isn't friends with the other. But you don't because you know what that means? That means we're now we're not even having elections anymore. Like that's the step before mm-hmm. just military overthrows of government. We don't want that. Let Michelle Obama be friends with whoever she wants. I can't imagine anyone gives a shit. Like, if she hated him, I wouldn't care. Yeah, that's what I mean. You know, I don't... One way or the other. What difference but the point make? is that you're encouraging. Right. Encouraging. We want this. We want yeah. these people to not be friends. So stupid. For a second of all, Bush wasn't even the president. It was Cheney. You know, you don't yeah. see a hug and Cheney. Right. So she's showing the consideration you want. If you see a hug and Cheney, bitch. If you want a bitch, bitch. You right. know, I don't see this one as being upsetting. No. And if there's anything to be upset with Michelle Obama for, and it's the reason she's never going to be president, it's because she ruined school lunches. And those right. kids are old enough to vote now. And you think they're voting for the woman who replaced their French fries with okra? No, it's not happening. You've seen the size of these kids. Look at Lincoln. You know how Lincoln likes to flirt with me? That's his joke. He'll be like, hey, girl, and he gropes me. Yeah. I'm like, Lincoln, you're now so tall that you can't. We just look like a couple. Like, you can't. You don't look like a little kid with a twisted adult sense of humor because he's 11, but he's like 6'5". It's like I'm selling him to a Ukrainian circus. We're going to get that side dough. But lay off Michelle Obama. I mean, I didn't even vote for her, but I, you know, I still like her. I've actually voted for him once. Uh, but, uh, but lay off him. These are nice people, you know. What do you want from them? They're good, classy, decent people. And so is George Bush. Did you ever hear George Bush do an inning of play-by-play at a baseball game? I know he's a, a, an avid uh, baseball fan. But a great Sunday night baseball. He sat in with Joe Morgan and John Miller and shredded wheat. Man, he was great. Mm. And he threw out the best first pitch in the history of baseball. The 2001 World Series at Yankee Stadium, post 9 right. 11, stood on the mound, threw a strike. Right. You know who's going to be throwing strikes on the mound at Yankee Stadium, Sean Barry? Did you see this? I did see this. Garrett Cole yeah, coming to the Yanks. Hey, now. Nine years, $324 million American. That is uh, a lot of dough. Yeah, $324 million. We're paying in cash. Yeah. It's big dough. 30 some odd million a year. I mean, that's. Yeah, it's like 34, 35, 36 million. It's a bad situation. It's just to throw a ball. You're now going to be. <laughs> you, you, you're going to be going to buy a, cu- a hot dog. You need a cosigner. It's going to be pricey. <laughs> it's already pricey. Who do you think's paying for this shit? Oh, my God. Yankee fans are excited now. I, said, just, I just got the email from, uh, from you know, you want to buy season tickets. Yeah. And I'm it's just out of curiosity. I'm yeah. I'm just curious, you know. Uh-huh. I think a set of 12 games in, like, you know, behind first base somewhere, one ass in one seat, all Saturdays. It's like $3,000. Oh, God. I know. Come and that's on. before no. they sign this guy. It's only yeah. going to get worse. I know. Uh, I think it's a terrible contract. I love him. He's in his prime. We absolutely needed him. Uh, but nine years for a pitcher is just way too much in the modern era. You can't assume health a week from now with no. a pitcher, let alone nine years yeah. from now. Now, I understand that's the market, and that's the commitment they had to make to get him. Uh, but I'm not terribly crazy about it. I mean, it. that's kind of what happened with CeCe, you know? I mean, he yeah. was not the guy the, he was this at is, the end. This, yeah, this is what happened with him. They He had a huge contract that he pitched through. 
And then they gave him another one. Right. <laughs> like, yeah, let's do it again. Right. Uh, you know, guy couldn't even stand. <laughs> this this well can't possibly dry up. And he actually does look like he's pitching in pajamas because yeah. he wears the baggy pants. Yeah. I love him because he looks like one of us out there. Right. CC Sabathia is like a black David Wells. You right, know, right. Totally. rubber arm could give you a billion innings. Great guy, beloved teammate, mm. model citizen. But uh, not 10 years worth of model citizenry. Mm-hmm. Uh, this show's over. Uh, big fat special thank you to Andrew Heaton. He did a fantastic job. Big fat special thank you to you for having excellent taste in podcasts. Go home to mommy. Go home. Bye. Go home to mommy. Go home to mommy. Grand Canyon University, an affordable private Christian university, is one of the largest and fastest growing universities in the country, offering more than 270 programs online. In addition to federal grants and aid, GCU's online students received nearly $130 million in institutional scholarships in 2022. Find your purpose at Grand Canyon University. Private, Christian, affordable. Visit gcu.edu slash myoffer to see the scholarships you may qualify for.